Welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Duff. And this week we are doing probably one of the most anticipated horror releases of the year. That is bold to say when we are still very much in early January even. Um, but I think that's right. I mean, ever since the trailer for this film dropped, it's been on the name on everybody's tongue. Um, it is Megan. She arrived in our country on an auspicious anniversary, January 6th, and she's just been taking over ever since. I mean, look. She did not not come to conquer, um, but now that Megan she's did here, the insurrection. <laughs> Megan absolutely is doing insurrections. The main one in particular, I think, probably. Um, but yeah, she's that. she's incredible. She's here. She is larger than life, but also four feet tall. Um, but if you haven't seen it yet, let me lay it out for you a little bit with the IMDb tagline. Um. I think the the name Megan probably conveys a tone that you might have already picked up on. I think it's such a classic, gorgeous name for this film. Um, But again, if you're not familiar, the tagline reads, a robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. Um, And I'd say that- I mean, beautifully written, but really just the tip of the iceberg for her. She, it doesn't say anywhere she's that bitch. Well, they can't give it all away in the log line, okay? We should be happy (laughs) that they're leaving something up to the imagination. But it should say a robotics engineer at a toy company builds a life like doll that serves cunt on the daily. Oh, okay, that's play. Okay. Literally. I think we need that information from moment one, you know, but we can see it with our eyes. Thank God. Thankfully. I mean, she spells her name with a three instead of an E, which I also keep wanting to read as Megan. <laughs> Megan. No, I- Hi, I'm Megan. Megan. <laughs> Megan. She did not like you mispronouncing she- her name, so you no. better watch out. She's giving you that look. The dead-eyed look. Oh, God. This movie... We, also, I mean, there's so much hype, but it, I think it kind of paid off. Sydney, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, heads up, dear listener, we're spoiling the shit out of this movie. So if you haven't oh, yeah. seen it yet, what are you doing? Literally go see it. I talk, I was telling like two people on, like on Instagram to go see it because they asked me about it. And I was telling my therapist today that she should also go see it. Mm-hmm. It truly changed me. You, you know? can say who you told to go see it. Yeah, tell us <laughs> one of the people you tell- told. <laughs> uh, my favorite internet friend got your book and friend of the pod, Christian Brune. Our dear, yeah. dear friend, Christian <laughs> Brune. It's almost the anniversary of his episode. So really, um, 
why is he not here right now? I guess is my question. I know. And he just came out with the recruit, which he slays in. So, you know, and also you should Christian. watch. I just finished it and it slapped and was great in it. So I just okay. started it. I need to keep going. Ugh. But yeah, I mean, we're influencing on Megan's behalf, but she herself is an influencer. I mean, yeah. half the articles that I read about this movie were like the TikTok sensation Megan hits the big screen, blah, 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 <laughs> blah. It's like old people trying to understand TikTok. And I, I'm one to talk. I'm almost 30 and I'm talking about TikTok. So I've already aged out apparently. But like this well, movie is a viral sensation. It really is. This is what happens when you do marketing correctly. And you know who you're like, mar- the audience that you're marketing for. And you're fun and you don't take yourself all that seriously. And oh, by the way the movie that you have fucking slaps (laughs) you do need to have a movie that slaps but if it is a movie about a doll that does little dances to hire a bunch of people to dress up as that doll and to do little dances to taylor swift's it's nice to have a friend that is iconic that is incredible that does deserve its own award Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this was like a beautifully curated trailer. And you know how much I love trailers and the art of the trailer. So this like they chose all the right moments. They gave away some stuff, but they left the big punches for the actual movie. And this is in stark contract to smile that came out earlier this year. I think they had a really interesting marketing plan. I don't know if y'all saw it, but they had yes. like those spooky ass people sitting in the stands I... at the World Series games doing yes. the smile. I thought that was super creative. The trailer slapped. It was super fucking scary. But unlike Megan, the movie did not like get anywhere close to the trailer, at least for me. Um, And they gave away literally everything in the trailer. Like all of the big scares were in the trailer. So Megan learned from that. And the one thing that's super crazy about, about this trailer, and it had like an effect on the actual film because it came out and they can like, you know, Sydney knows all about it. You can see where, who it's trending with, what age demographics are really loving it. And the demographics that really loved it, not surprising because of all the TikTok related shit in the trailer, was like super, super younger kids, like young teens, like middle school kids, that sort of a thing. And it literally changed like the cut of the movie that they went with. Like they Universal stepped in and they cut a bunch of the kills and made it a PG-13 movie. And I thought that was really interesting. I heard a rumor that they might be releasing like an unedit, like an unrated version yeah. of Megan. Yes. So we could get the original movie. I would love that because they shot it. So they have it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was getting pretty close to runtime when the trailer came out because I feel like the, it, uh, this trailer didn't come out that long ago. When was it? Like October. September? It's October. Yeah. So smart also when we're all in our spooky vibe. Um, yeah. I mean, I watched um, the trailer and immediately connected with it, obviously, of course. Um, when she runs on all fours, it's just gorgeous to me. When she um, gallops? Are you kidding when me? When she gallops, yeah. Um, <laughs> when she dances, obviously, everybody loved when she dances. What was so important about what you're saying about not giving things away, a lot of people didn't know that Megan also sings. So that was really special once you get to She's the movie itself. Yeah, triple threat. A dancer, um. <laughs> great with children. She's more of a triple threat. Great at galloping, and she can sing, honey. Mm-hmm. She's a runner. She's a track star. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I read approximately seven plus different articles um, before this episode because I just can't get enough. One of them was like an article on them about why queer people are loving this movie. Um, I one of them that was like, mm-hmm. there was an interview with the director. There was an interview with the writer, Akila Cooper, I think is her name um, that I she read. She also did Malignant too. Yeah. Which- yes. Yeah, Which, um, those are cut from the same cloth. They really mm-hmm. are. The vibes are there. <laughs> I was trying to explain to people. I was like, okay, once I found that out, I was like, Megan and Malignant will have you say, will both have you say what the fuck, but for completely different reasons, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. range, baby. <laughs> sure. Um, I do think it is interesting. I'll say, okay, so... Our spooky friend, Devin, who was on our Troll 2 episode, um, she was invited to an early screening and she took me with her. So I saw it um, a couple, like two days before it came out. Not super, super early. Um, But I was like- Still cool. Still cool. Uh, I wasn't like sure how I felt about it at first, if I'm being honest, because I wanted to like it so much, but obviously have previously not vibed with James Wan- projects and so I was like really apprehensive I've been talking about it so much talking it up everybody kept being like oh my god are you so excited to see Megan and while I watched it the first time and I had no complaints I was like so in my head about it um that I couldn't I had to go a second time um with Monica and other friends and I I took a movie boosting um supplement um (laughs) yeah you know a classic movie boosting supplement I had such an unbelievable blast and I just think this movie has such incredible rewatchability also because the whole time I was like so excited for everyone else to see what was going to happen next and to be like oh and this part happens next and it's so delightful and like oh and this part is so fun um but I think like the James Wan influence is very clear while it not being like his movie. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, it was very much a Chelsea movie, which I so appreciated while giving James Wan's style and, and to borrow one of Monica's favorite words lately, panache, um, <laughs> that I think really helped it be high camp and a blast while still giving me a lot of what I want, which is narrative logical sense what would you say are the James Wan influence parts that was beautifully worded but you know what I'm trying to say yeah um I think at almost every point this movie asks itself what would be fun to do next um and I think James Wan is a big believer in doing things that are fun um or for the sake of like an interesting style or something um and I think my problem with that like like with Insidious where I was like lots of it is really pretty and cool but for what and for why um this movie gives you what and why in every scene and but sometimes the what and why is like for fun but it is serving like when Megan runs in the woods I fully believe that she because she's hooked up to the internet and she can research yeah. whatever she wants, including what is death. Um, she is going, okay, I'm trying to scare this boy. I'm trying to terrify this boy. How can I be the scariest possible yeah. self? She's she Googling horror, horror movies. Yeah. yeah. I think she also Googled 
what is the fastest creature? And it was a cheetah. And she was like, I can run like that. Run like a cheetah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was like, cool shit that predators do. And then uh-huh. gallop on all fours is the number one hit, you know? In a peacoat. Terrifying. She went on WikiHow, how to serve Kai, and she memorized that article. But I also love that they were like, well, Megan's going outside, so she's definitely going to be cold. And so let's put her in a coat. Like She needs a little pea coat. She needs yeah, little okay. sunglasses. Can we talk about the like uncanny valley of it all? Because I think that's one of the most like powerful parts of the movie is how fucking realistic they make Megan look like she looks so much like a little girly, but she just has Rapunzel from Disney's tangled eyes on her real human girl's face. It's just like they're like, I don't know how many percent too big. 15. She has the eyes too large. That every time one of the Snapchat or Instagram filters is like, be a brat stall and the eyes get really big. Mm. I'm like, I want to look like this. Why can't I look like this? Why she can't I look what like I Megan. want? Okay. What are we getting? She is partially modeled after Allison Williams, which is fun because that makes mm. sense also for Gemma to do that as the character. Well, I see that Allison Williams does have big ass eyes just in general, but normal for a human, I would say. Yeah. Unlike- yeah. Not alarming. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. Ah, yeah, just just Gemma as a character is super interesting. She's hell fucked up. Uh, but, you know, what would you do in that scenario? Maybe not that, but some you got to figure out some sort of way to cope. <laughs> okay, I will say as an aunt to two young children and as a um projecting here for a moment onto drama as a lesbian um who's not planning on having children because she's a lesbian to me in my heart um but she is you know I both am not planning on having children love to be an aunt have the kind of brain that does occasionally catastrophize to the point where I'm like what if I had to raise my brother's children how could I do it oh my god I'm not ready how would I, I step into that an role? I'd have to change my whole life yeah like it what it's a terrifying thought and I absolutely oh relate to Gemma being like I don't know what I'm doing but I do have this skill and I can create this robot and she seems to know what she's doing and so I'm just gonna let her take this one she leans into she her. She said, strength. "Megan, take the wheel." <laughs> yeah, Megan, take the Megan wheel. Take it from my hands. That's really beautiful. I really liked it. Megan will uh, love it. Megan will love that. Megan was thriving for a hot second until she wasn't. Until yeah. She wasn't. I mean, like, Megan is not innately bad. Megan got beat the shit by a doggy, and then she turned bad. Are you born bad, or does a doggy eat your brain, and then you become bad? Think about that. Or or did Gemma not fully think it through and just didn't fully program her right? Yeah, one I think it's a of, bit of both. <laughs> one of the articles that I read um, was on Vice with an AI expert. Um, and I've had a lot of conversations about AI, actually, because I have a friend who works in self-driving car technology, which is not quite AI, but obviously is tech that needs to like take in information around it and make somewhat autonomous decisions about like how to proceed without user input. Um, and we have had a lot of conversations about like the ethics that go into that 
and like the potential of misuse for that um, and the tech industry at large and how it doesn't account for the human element so much of the time. Like, okay, if you have a self-driving car and there's an accident that's about to happen and it's like either it can crash and kill its driver or it can run over a pedestrian, like obviously it's drive and it's pseudo responsibilities if you can call it that are to the driver but like how do you decide have what you, the car is going to do ahead of time have you uh, seen irobot have you seen irobot no i haven't actually but i'm yeah i'm sure all that's these literally the, no it's like time. the whole literally exactly that is the whole premise of the beginning of the film will smith is in a, all self-driving cars it's all self-driving cars and will smith is in one and um there's a car crash and like a robot comes down and it chooses between saving him and saving a child. And it saved him because he, they did a little math calculating thing and saw the percentage rate of survival was higher, more likely for mm. Will Smith. And that, so they left, let the little girl die. And so it's like that sort of thing. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, but like great film. We should watch it. <laughs> I Well, I, I was telling you guys the other day, I want to do a whole, um, AI goes bad round table one day um, with this movie and Smart House and Ex Machina and um, our friend director SK Dale, iRobot, our friend director SK Dale um, is teaming up with Megan Fox again to do a movie called um, Subservience, I think, um, that where she plays a sim as well. Um, and so, you know, we're going to have a lot of, I mean, what's that Space Odyssey 2001 or 2001 Space Odyssey? 2001 um, Space Odyssey. Yeah, there's a lot of material here. Um, yeah, but, and, and it's so relevant because like this is what is is happening in tech mm-hmm. right now. People are trying yeah. to figure out how to make it work. Elon Musk says it's already there. And then the Tesla crashed eight cars like five minutes after he said that. So like. I watched a video of it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Don't go on the internet. I also watched that where it like stopped it- and like caused an eight car pileup. Like in a this little tunnel in the Vegas yeah. one. Oh my God. Classic. Um, bad. Be bad. bad. Jesus bad. Christ. But yeah. yeah, the AI expert in the Vice article was talking about how um, this is inherently a very scary technology because when you create things like this that decides autonomously, you don't always think about every single parameter to put in place. I mean, we see that in this movie, but also like things that are common sense to a human are not common sense to a robot where you've built it with a specific goal. Like an example that he gave- Everything. Yeah, an example that he gave is like, if you have a robot that is designed to um, make sure that nobody has cancer, one way of doing that is to kill everybody and then there's nobody left to have cancer. Cancer. Um, And so like, you have to really be careful, but part of the problem when they are autonomous um, and when it is like higher intelligence is that we are not higher intelligence. And so we can't really anticipate what it's going to do or expect what it's going to do and we can't 
like work for that or code for that ahead of time. Like we can't, if we're the lower intelligence, you can't expect to somehow be in control of the higher intelligence. And once you've created it, there's really no fucking going back. So no, seriously, it's like, we're like creating our destroyer. That's what happens in all these movies. But like, if you're making it, so it has instant access to every single piece of information in the world, that's giving it the leg up. That's at least like, you know, third like 30 second lead on us because we have to pick up our iphone and say hey siri can you look up what the weather is today you know like oh my god and siri, they already I know, know. <laughs> yeah she's they listening already know. right now yeah she's listening right now i'm so freaked out by siri yet i use her because i have carplay anyway um <laughs> but like it's terrifying it's like why are i don't know why are we creating the thing that will turn on us that have you seen Westworld? Destroy us. Um... I watched um, two seasons, I think. But yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, The problem also, and again, we see it in this movie, is that a lot of people in the tech world um, forget that tech is ideally a tool for humans to use and not a replacement for human anything and they forget to account for human connection and human psychology um even just in terms of like okay this is what we want our tech to do assuming it works perfect that'll be great but people are not going to use it perfectly because people are imperfect like you can have these great ideas for tech but you have to remember that if people are the ones using, I don't know. Also, just like we've seen with this AI art stuff lately. Um, oh, fuck that where, shit. Yeah, people are creating all of the AI art by feeding real people's art into it. It can't exist without plagiarizing. No. Um, and also like, like everybody, everybody spent that $8. Oh, um, and like, why wouldn't like, you? Because everybody is doing it and it seems really, really cool. But when you think about it, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Sure. Um, but also like in journalism, people are being like, oh, we can just have AI write this article, um, but it's going to sound stupid. And then you're going to have to hire a real person to edit it. And then they're going to basically be like, it's not there yet and it's not functioning, but everybody is so excited about it that they're forgetting like this. Sorry, this one guy I saw on Twitter was literally talking about how he was a writer. He was working for some site that fed all of his previous articles into like whatever that thing is, chat, GPT, whatever it's called, so that it could learn how to write articles like he writes articles so that he they could replace him with it. Mm-hmm. But it's not possible that without him so in the first place. Up. And it's not possible without him editing it to make sure it makes sense. Like that fully automated McDonald's or whatever, where they like the the window just serves you your food someone's still in the kitchen making the food like these tech ideas that are replacing humans just forget that very much humans still need to be involved no also here's the other thing why are we trying to make it so autonomous what do you think that there are fewer people in the world than there were 10 years ago no honey there's billion million more i don't know that's not an accurate figure but like they're like the population is only growing you know and like people need jobs we need all of these jobs so if a fucking robot is doing all of it then then what is the person who was doing the robot's job before gonna do now you know like it's 
Ah, I love science. I love innovation. I think it is so cool and so awesome. I, I'm like, wow, I love my iPhone. Yeah, but at what cost? We got to like, you have to like stop and think about the ramification, which was Gemma obviously did not do here. Like well, what? Gemma didn't want to do any of the things a human <laughs> needed to do. She was like, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean let's talk, dive into the movie. The beginning of this movie is so weird. Um, I watched it a second time, and I liked the beginning less than I did on first watch. Vibes were different second time around. I will give the movie that. Um, but like, the writing is a little bit weird at times. The writing is weird. I know that it's intentionally like, like it's funny and whatever, but it's just like a little bit cringe for me at the very beginning. Which part? The perpetual pets or with no, the, the perpetual in the car? pet part slaps the parents. Incredible! It's gorgeous. Oh the yeah, the opening, the love. opening, opening is brilliant. It was so fucking funny. It's like you a had a pet and then it died, and here's a pet that can live forever instead so funny it's like it'll live longer than you like like it says that in the thing that that was an amazing opening um just the whole I I think when I was watching the beginning part I was thinking about what I would feel like if I was Sydney watching it because it was so much like screen time this can you turn the volume down her screen time is too long blah 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 blah, blah. and I was like oh I wonder how Sydney will feel about this but how did you feel Sydney <laughs> uh it didn't bother me as somebody who is like around parents with kids that age. That is a legitimate argument that I hear regular people. Oh, I bet. Like bickering over is like how much screen time should their iPad Little children nowadays get. get. Yeah. And so that I just, it felt like it was somebody like me who had just vaguely heard people argue about it and not actually yeah had, had that argument before you're like this is what I think people with kids would talk about and say totally well Akilah Cooper is also an aunt um who I think it she talks a little in her interview about how a lot of her writing is like based on people that she knows and like that definitely leaks in um and part of the inspiration for this movie was like when her sister had kids and was talking to her at some point and was like if anything happens to me I want you to take them and she was like what um but I think what's interesting about the opening is that it does feel a little bit like a normal little slice of life for this family but I think it needs to be I think it is served so well by being a little detached because you don't want to be like too sad right after that you know what I mean like you want to get the stakes but you don't want to be feeling like the emotional blow of you like you don't want it to be the first few minutes of Bambi you know what I mean of course not that shit traumatized me as a child <laughs> and as an adult yeah I mean it traumatized it, multiple generations yeah it was super it was funny the beginning was super funny you know it's just the the rest of the entire movie is so much better um and oh god I just love that the little Furby thing is just like farting the whole time while they're in the middle of this like very dire situation there's just a <laughs> farting Furby in the back the whole time and I like it was it was hilarious like I read all these articles how they like played this movie so well because the comedy is so like they're, everyone's so deadpan um, and, and they're like I wonder when the snowmobile will come and then immediately it smashes them to death and they <laughs> right. die like it's just like every bad thing that happens 
you're supposed to laugh and like there I, I don't know they read this whole article about like the horror comedy and about how like some people don't know how to do it because they're like oh horror and comedy how are they're so different how do you make them be together but they're the exact same fucking thing it's like someone described it where it was like they're both like you're bo- they're both like two ends of a dial it just depends which way you're turning it they're both like a huge re- like release and so that's why they go so well together to scream or to laugh um and so I don't know they do I didn't scream once in this but I did laugh a whole bunch of times and I did grab Devin's arm so hard that I think I hurt her so I <laughs> heard you do a big startle or a big jump or something I I heard a big scared reaction from you when um was it the part when she started singing titanium and I grabbed both seats no! around me and said <laughs> <laughs> no it was one of the scary moments it was I think when the dog grabs Megan maybe um or when oh, Megan grabs the, the dog um it was one of those two something with that little hole in oh, the fence I love the hole in the fence you never put your body or your arm into a hole we've talked about this on the pod before Megan didn't know because they didn't train her that to do that in her programming so another flaw of Gemma's um I don't know. I think the beginning pissed me off because I just felt like uh, everyone's reaction was super weird. I thought like the way that Lydia treated Gemma at the beginning, instead of being like, let me help you figure this out. She's like, you fucking crazy bitch. You have collectibles. What the fuck is wrong with you? No one has collectibles. I don't, but I know actually, no, I do. I still have my holiday Barbie in its case, but it's at my childhood home. I just saw it the other day. People have collectibles. <laughs> My mom had a bunch of collectibles in the house all the time. She had like dolls mm-hmm. that were not Barbie dolls, but like big, special dolls. And they were always in boxes and all this stuff. And we were allowed to see them if she opened the box for us and we could look at them. But we were you not look allowed with your to eyes, not your hands. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Classic little mommy line. Yeah. And it was like, okay kids understand collectibles once you tell them know what I mean so the therapist yeah. would be like oh she can't play. bitch that's a collectible Shut the I fuck don't up. think so <laughs> fucking mad I turned to Devin and I was like let her have her collectibles <laughs> I I don't think that was Lydia's issue um I think that the I mean the therapist definitely came in on the lookout for an aunt who was not prepared to take in a child and raise that child and perhaps didn't even want to because she'd gotten the phone call from the dad's parents basically being like, we're ready to take Katie whenever. If Gemma's not up to it, we're here waiting in the wings. And so she, I think, was going in, not with an agenda per se, but going in. I think she was with going in with an agenda. No, I, I, I like her and I thought she was a great character. She was so great. To, she was, to defend her she to was great. Um, she was great later on. I thought she was great later on, but I think in that scene, she was like super aggressive. She like, definitely sometimes was people aggressive. Just, yeah, she was super aggressive. It's just like they both have just gone through a trauma. You know what I yeah. mean? So like they're both figuring it out. So why just like slap her in the face, you know, instead of being like, let's try this. And she was like getting mad at her for being like, oh, the toy does cool shit. Can I show you? That's a way they could connect over the cool shit that the toy does. Ridiculous. Whatever. I don't want to fight you about this. That was a Gemma problem, though. That wasn't a Lydia problem because that wasn't Gemma being like, can I 
that wasn't, she wasn't like, Katie, can I teach you all about this toy? She was like, whatever she did. I mean, I liked how she was trying to make her point by taking the box, kind of literally destroying the fucking box to be like, see, I don't care. You can play with it. Not that important to me. Um, But then it like cuts to Katie just having it rolling on the floor. And she has like waited to say something until that moment. She didn't go from the beginning like, okay, Katie, can I show you my cool toy? She is like, just also not sure how to assert herself in this scenario and like not sure what to do and like still kind of hesitant about it a little bit I think exactly that's why Lydia should have been nice instead of mean there you go right here's the thing too like Katie lost her parents but Gemma also lost her sister and yeah and her brother-in-law and this is know what I mean like sometimes when you lose something and you're like this is my sister and oh this is their child like that can be hard to like connect with immediately totally and as someone who is not around kids that much I'm talking about myself I like don't know how to act around kids I don't and if someone was like oh they like it when you play like that I'd appreciate that you know what I mean I wouldn't act like Gemma Jesus she was doing some weird shit um but like you know she just they're both in a really uncomfortable situation and that is supposed to be a person there to like help make it work you know what I mean instead of just like I don't know she was just aggressive immediately and I was furious (laughs) she was aggressive out the gate I just think that um she was there to observe and what she picked on immediately was their complete emotional disengagement from each other and so she was trying to like I mean she's not there for Gemma she's not Gemma's therapist she's there for Katie and to like make sure that Katie is adjusting to this new environment and so she's kind of just evaluating their dynamics together and what that was was the complete lack of a dynamic totally so I don't know we're 40 minutes in and we haven't talked about the movie yet just by the way (laughs) I just looked and I realized that yeah (laughs) I would love to can I, can I just keep going? Yeah. Okay. Um, on that note, what something that I was going to bring up earlier that I think is super interesting is that conversation that Gemma has later with Tess and um, Brian Jordan Alvarez's character, who, by the way, is so wonderful, um, Cole. Um, but she has that conversation with them in the garage when Megan does her whole, what is death? Oh, death is the end of life, blah, blah, blah. That whole bit, but where Tess is being like, if Megan is like wiping Katie's nose and like kissing her boo-boos and tucking into bed at night, like, what are you doing? Like, why do you want this doll that does all of these things um, for the kid instead of the parent doing it? Like that, I think is perfectly emblematic, both of the, the issue that we saw in the Lydia scene and also in like the larger conversation here that touched on the AI stuff. That's so interesting because it's like, okay, like, taking over the human connection like what's left you're just there to sort of monitor the technology and like be the chauffeur you know what I mean um I I think that is a super interesting conversation and also I love that bit because Tess is being like if we're creating Megan 
what's her face? Gemma is like, that's not your business. What happens between me and Katie? And she's like, well, we're working on a toy that's replacing parents and they're not interacting with their child. That is my business. And Gemma's like, she's not my child. And it's like, girl, yes, she is. (laughs) That's literally what you agreed to. That's literally why Lydia is there. And for her to still be at that point in the movie going, that's not my kid. Like, I know it's been literally like maybe two weeks, maybe. It's been two weeks. (laughs) But yeah, I think that was a a bad moment. Oh, for sure. She just chose a bad coping mechanism, you know, creating um, new artificial intelligence, you know. I completely relate to her already complicated time. She's like, I don't know what to do here, but I do know how to do tech. And so I'm hoping that my skills in tech can make up for my complete lack of any knowledge about how to interact with a child, even though that child is my niece. Like, I think she really just is, has been an aunt who has sent presents and like maybe been there on holidays so far. What I think is interesting also is their lack of parents, Gemma and her sister. Like their parents are clearly not part of the equation of this movie and where Katie's going to end up. So I don't know if they were like bad parents that nobody's involved with or if they're dead also. Um, I mean, I think the the toy demonstration is one of my favorite scenes. Not the first one where she initially pairs Megan with Katie. Um, Although, you know, obviously everything was... When she like draws the the picture with the two pens and it looks like nothing at first and oh no she spilled over the water just kidding it's beautiful like that obviously is great um yeah. that was so outrageous I, it was so it's so fucking funny um what I loved was when they're doing the demonstration for all of the big wigs who've flown in from all around the world the day after Katie got attacked by that fucking dog um and and by the way Again, a great job of doing things that would traditionally be like very emotionally disruptive to a film, like killing off parents or killing a dog, but doing it in such a way where you're like feeling okay about it. Um, But when she comes in and she just like starts crying. (laughs) I think they set up the kills really well. Like they set up some of like Megan's abilities in advance like the reason that you know that Megan can do voice changing things is because in that montage she's like reading that (laughs) like that storybook and she's like (laughs) like a freaking insane voice (laughs) which was so fucking funny oh my god and so then you're like oh it sounds a little bit off like but then you know you can get it together yeah with like the modulated in it um but in the toy demonstration scene, when Katie just starts crying and all of the adults who are like these big VP execs are like, oh, oh no, like, what do we do now? Um, but then she's back and steps in and fucking like blasts it. I just, can you imagine every part of that scene, I think was so funny to me because can you imagine, first of all, that you are this person coming in for a toy demonstration and then you have a traumatized child being like my parents died like what would you do and then also you have this wonderful incredible unbelievable ai thing happen before your eyes they cut to the lady she's crying um it was emotional (laughs) it was truly moving it was (laughs) I just thought every moment, every scene, I thought that they smashed it. There was like, no, I had no complaints, even the first time when I wasn't vibing. Um, and then I truly was so delighted the second time around. 
Yeah, I mean, like to continue with this scene though, like that's when we get the reveal that Megan can sing like an angel. <laughs> Imagine like nothing would soothe me more when crying about my dead mom than to have a little robot girly sing a song about, I don't even know, I blacked out. I don't know what she sings during that moment. My brain like exploded into smithereens because she was like, now you'll have those memories about the cockroach in your lunchbox forever, Katie. Also, they spelled Katie like Katie Heron from Mean Girls. Yes, mean Girls. That? Interesting. Yeah. That also feels gay to me, but I don't really have an answer for why. I get it. I get it. It's just a vibe. It's it's just like you follow that amazing thing up with the most beautiful. Is that an original song? It <laughs> is. So amazing. Oh man. That's what makes the later singing scene even all the more jarring. Cause like you know she can sing, but like you're not gonna expect her to come out with a Sia song. Yeah, I mean oh. I the cultural influence of this film, I just think Akila Cooper and whoever else was making some of these decisions, um, the director, um, Gerard Johnstone, um, James Wan, the other people involved, I think they had a lot of the same cultural touchstones that I did, because to me, Megan looks like she just stepped off of the set of OG Gossip Girl. You know, she's like the perfect mix of Blair and Serena waiting on the little, eating her lunch on the little Met steps with her little jaunty bow and her trench coat. You know what I mean? Um, she's singing the exact same bit of Titanium that they do in the shower scene in Pitch Perfect. Like the exact same bit. Um, I... I just think that they, um, they, they're speaking right to me. Also, she looks like an American girl doll and like that. It's just, just like <laughs> your every like millennials dream. I know they're catering to Gen Z with this movie, but speaking as a millennial or anyone older than a millennial, cause American girl has been along around for a long fucking time. When you love it, if Samantha was as big as you and you could talk and you could actually share clothes that was cool. I had the my like life-size Barbie as a kid oh, me too. Loved you it. could wear her ballerina suit and remind me to show you uh, me and my cousin uh wearing the ballerina suit but it's my cousin wearing it and I'm just in no shirt and the long skirt because she's in the full costume I should have had one of those because I was an only child. But <laughs> I mean, parents didn't love you, Monica. No, I know. <laughs> they just gave um, me holiday Barbie and told me to keep it in the box. <laughs> one of the interviews, maybe the one with the director, but they talked about how one of the like origin points for this movie was literally one of the producers in the American Girl doll store being like, what if one of these came to life and killed people? And like one of the interviews that Allison Williams did um, for this with Vulture, I think, she like went and had lunch at the American Girl doll cafe with her interviewer. Yep. Yep. Um, 
And by the way, she said she's a Samantha, um, which I, you know, spot on. And I also think like, I haven't watched girls, even though one of my friends in college told me all the time that I needed to. But what I know about Marnie is that she does sometimes just break into song. Like I've seen the clip where she does the harder, faster, better, stronger um, rendition, her gorgeous little take on the Kanye West Daft Punk version or whatever. Um, and I think that that DNA is clear here in this film. Something else, um, to go back to kind of what you were saying earlier, um, the attack on the kid at the fake outside school was, it's a real outside school, the real outside (laughs) school, um, (laughs) I want to go to outside school, by the way, (laughs) just saying, I was like, that sounds fun. I want to forage in the forest, not with that weird freak kid, but you know, maybe the other kids were nice. Yeah. But like that scene is so well done because obviously to some degree, it's hard to kill a kid in the same way that it's hard to kill a dog in a movie and have you rooting for it, but they make like him as such a society, a shit. we're getting better at uh, getting yeah. used to that though. After a uh, fear street too, you know, kids <laughs> dying left and right. <laughs> but that was supposed to make you a little bit sad. And this one, I think hit the perfect amount of like, you were rooting for it until you were kind of uneasy about it. And you were like, not sure that it was going to go as far as it did, but it kept going. Like his ear just kept, stretching that was hilarious um, that was that, so funny that can't happen I'm pulling on my ear right now well are you pulling hard enough well Watch certainly mark. not <laughs> <laughs> she ripped those ears clean off um and I watched Matilda the musical after I got home from when we saw Megan for the second time for me what a juxtaposition juxtaposition. but Miss Trunchbull has a line in it where she's saying if there's anything I know about little boys it's that their ears stretch um because she also picks people up by the ears um oh my but yeah I mean in that scene um I think from from both of them at points you're like not sure what's gonna happen next like how far it's gonna go like that kid knocks Meg into the ground, gets like pulls her shoe off, gets on top of her, and then he slaps her, which I think was the the perfect touch of like psycho without you being upset. Um, yeah, because it was getting really hairy right there for a second. When he I was takes like, what the shoe off. off. Yeah, when he takes second, her shoe like, off and then he going? immediately like straddles her. I was like, what the fuck is gonna happen? This uh-huh. is PG thirteen. I was like, is he gonna sexually assault this yes. doll? And I think that was a very reasonable fear to have. And I'm glad that they assuaged that fear so quickly. Um, like, no, Megan will kill you before you yeah. can do that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, just a little slapping. It's okay. Just a little light slapping. But like, she is chasing him. She rips off his ears. You see him like stumbling down the hill and you think like, okay, like we're good. Oh no, a car is coming. Oh, he's not really going to die. Just kidding. Next shot, they're zipping him into a body bag. He's dead. Like- but the perfect amount of like you're 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 startled, you're scared, but you're also prepared to continue with the movie. Like you're not in shock, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my god, I would really like to see the uncut version. Um, I don't know, I don't know. I read this whole article and it was like everyone gets mad when you don't 
when you cut the gore to like increase the audience because they're like the PG-13 horror movie is innately bad. A lot of people like have that view of things. And to Mm -hmm. that, I say, have you seen Prom Night? And to that, I say, I'm kidding. But also, have you seen Prom Night? Let's talk about it. Uh, But (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, like we're big gore girlies over here. Sydney wants to die in a vat of fake fake blood. Um, And I just like it a lot. Uh, But it's it would have been cool to have some just like a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know, can you not have any with PG-13? I don't know, but basically they're saying that like Megan could has the potential to be like the franchise of this generation, not like the franchise, but like one of them, because back in the golden age of horror, a.k.a. the 80s slash the 70s and even the 90s, because we had Scream and we have Ghostface from that. That's where we got our like our big three or, or four. If you include Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you got Freddy, you got Jason, you got Mikey. We're you calling him Chucky. Mikey. You have Chucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, Megan's grandfather, me. Chucky. Okay. Uh-huh. Put some respect on uh-huh. his name. I would always, I would never, I would never say anything against Chucky. But, um, you know, they had this like staying power, and there's been such like a lack of like fresh stuff that gets to that franchise level in the last 20 years. Um, it's usually just like more fucking Halloween kills, Halloween ends, blah, blah, blah. I won't watch mm-hmm. Halloween ends. I've decided. Um, but this is like something fresh and new. And so like maybe they started out at PG-13 so they can invigorate the youth and keep horror alive by having this whole new generation of people who love it. So I thought that was an interesting take. That said, like, come on, like, give me a carry moment where Megan's covered in blood. Like she has a chainsaw. I don't know. I want to see it. <laughs> But also for a PG-13 movie, I think they used their one F-bomb perfectly. You know what I mean? Like if you only get one and you're using it at the moment where the kid who's a bully is telling his mom to fuck off, um, I just right? think that's perfectly done. Yeah. That was super fucking funny. And the way they just got like creative with the rest of it, like the fact that they can still be like, we're going to kick Hasbro in the dick or whatever. Like I at no point felt the loss of it not being an R-rated movie. Although I do think it would be fun to go full R-rated. Yeah. I just think like, I don't know. I was talking to Lily about this and she feels like it, she was like, I feel like it needed like one or two more things. And when I watched it again, because I wasn't so like slapped in the face by the absurdity of it all, I was like, okay, we could have used like a couple more things happening because not that many like big things go down. We just get like that final rampage. Um, But, you know, like no, not that many people actually die in the final rampage because luckily your boy, what's his name? Tess and Cole. Yeah, Taz and Cole, they both make it out alive, which I like. I think them. they were not going to in the original yeah, script. That's what it seems like, because they're like, some f- favorite characters died in the original. And I'm like, well, it was Tess and Cole. Like, had there's to be. no yeah, one else in the mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean. Oh, I was going to say, can we talk about the most iconic scene of this movie when she dances down the hallway oh. we sure can baby and when oh, are we learning it God. Um, i already know it zoom <laughs> i'm down Thanks. at any time um 
I'm very interested in it. I'm in my TikTok era now. I've decided in 2023. Oh, so congratulations. I used to be able to do an aerial. And now I think if I did it, I would break my hip. So we'll just fit, we'll just pass on that one. Just do some I warm-ups for- first. Okay. I forgot about that part. I forgot about that part. Wait, okay. I want to talk about that part, but just really quickly, can we talk about, um, what's her name? Celia. Celia. Was yeah. she waterboarded to death? Like, was she drowned in chemicals? <laughs> Technically, how did she die? I just didn't fully so, understand. Mm-hmm. If you have a pressure washer, which is what Megan is using, if yeah. it is high enough, it will cut you. Like, I've sliced my hand open from a pressure washer before. Well, that is the context that I needed. Thank you. Is it the <laughs> the pressure of a pressure washer though? Because it's a chemical sprayer. So I thought it was like a chemical burn situation. Was it a chemical? I thought it was a pressure washer. It was the pesticides that she was spraying on her lawn in the beginning from that um, establishing moment where Gemma brings oh. Katie home from the hospital. And it's like, the dog comes through the fence. Keep your chemicals off my lawn, blah, blah, blah. Also, um, just dumb bitch nomination here for Gemma. It's her. She owns that fence and it's broken and she hasn't fixed it. And she's mad about the dog. That's what it seems like. She could literally just dog, put a board over it. Yeah, yeah. First of all, that's an easy solution. Also, I kept trying to remember to pay attention to this both times that I was watching the movie. And then I kept getting distracted just by how wonderful the movie is. Um, There is, to my knowledge though, as far as I remember, no gate in the front, just that one fence along the side. So like, couldn't the dog just go around? I don't know if if we ever see her house from the front. If we see Celia's house from the front. My next watch, I'll remember to pay better attention. Um, But yeah, I mean- There are lots of things that Gemma should be doing that she is not doing. And that said, fuck Celia. Um, That bitch sucks. But she's also very funny at lots of different moments. Like when she comes and bangs on the window and is like, I know it was you. Like there, I just think there are so many moments in this movie that are really funny um, that perfectly cut the tension while also showing like how unhinged everybody is and how that contributes to the problems overall um I just also think it's like a blast whenever everybody sees the doll and is like that little girl oh shit that's not a girl right so funny I I love that that Celia in particular she's like yeah like what it's that other little girl the one who stares out the window at 3 a.m and you're like oh shit what is Megan up to man she's sitting on her little charging pad watching the neighborhood she's Keeping always watching okay that's her thing she's doing bedtime and she's doing wake up so she's not going to sleep at any point in the night or being turned off she is sitting there turned on no need to sleep literally the whole time plotting scheming the same reason why edward ended up so weird he doesn't sleep he's got too much time to think too much time nobody needs that much time to think yeah i mean there is obvious overlap between Renesmee and Megan. 
I saw someone get a Renee tattoo on TikTok. Yes! Very upset by it. They made her look a little cuter than she looked. And then tattoo was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I saw somebody spell Renee's name with threes where all the E's are supposed to be. And it changed my life. Wow. (laughs) Megan's influence. Um, That's thanks to Megan. Um, I don't think we've put enough shine on uh, Gemma's boss. What is his name? David. David. I thought he was really funny in this. Yeah. I, I, there are just so many great lines that he had where it's clear that like he has like maybe no idea what he's doing. I don't know. Maybe he has some idea what he's doing. But I he's a little he's self-aware. Like... He's like, Gemma, write some stuff so it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, I think he's classic. Yeah. He's a finance exec VP brought in to run a company not to know how to make toys or engineer at all yeah totally he's he's so good in this though like the video he's really funny he's so funny the video though the video the promo video that they have before the big launch is the funniest thing I've ever seen it's just even Caddy's performer sorry fuck I did the I Caddy, did the mean girl thing <laughs> Katie's performance um even Katie's performance uh, in it is so like scripted. She's like, my parents died two months ago. But if now it's like Megan is a part of the family. Wait. She's just so smart. Haha. Like, it's just like, it's so staged and the music is so hilarious. And then David comes on in his fucking red turtleneck. Like, I can't. And he's like, this is very Steve Jobs murder version. <laughs> I do love a man in a turtleneck, though. So he's a oh. cutie. He's a good-looking guy. Wore my turtleneck uh, during a holiday party last year. It was really nice. It was great. <laughs> Trying to get him to get his own turtleneck. Spencer, friend of the pod, Spencer Your son, showed Spencer. up. My my child, Spencer, showed up for a cropped Christmas this year in a suit and like a turtleneck sweater, and everybody was like, "Does Spencer look hot tonight?" And we were like, "It's the turtleneck." it's a very classy move for a man um so good but yeah I mean that that montage is great also because it is funny but because it also like finally clicks home for Gemma how much she is absolutely fucking up by creating Megan and giving Megan to Katie in the first place murder aside all of that aside which she has already picked up on and been like "Uh uh-oh you guys is this gonna be a problem she's realizing watching that video that Katie is like this doll makes me feel like the way that my mom made me feel and I'm not getting that anywhere else in my life and Gemma's going oh man I guess this is what What's Lydia was talking I'm about to be doing? Uh, oh I guess yeah maybe when I look at her she should also think that I think she's the most important thing in the world not my job hmm this scene when Katie slaps her and like almost stabs Lydia with the scissors oh my god right I was like, you are nine. How can you hit that hard? They don't hold back when they're nine. That's how. <laughs> they don't realize yet that you can really hurt other people. My four-year-old nephew hits me sometimes, and it's not that it hurts that hard, but I'm just like, I am not allowed to hit with the my same level. Of course, obviously, I'm an adult. He is a baby. Um, <laughs> but, but like... In, in pillow fights or whatever, you know, I have to be strategic because he can go 
full brute force, I can't do that. I have to take his toy away and hold it up high. And then he gets, he doesn't like that. Um, you know, because kids sound so stressful. Oh my uh, God. Sometimes it is my God. Just a fun it's so fact. Fun to tease them. They don't like it. Here's my thing. As the only one that apparently wants kids on the pod, I can't wait to be like, here, Monica and Chelsea, babysit my kids. I am good at it. I'm going to make an that. AI and fuck your kid up. And that's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> Will it fuck them up more than I'm going to fuck them up? Who knows? Every Probably. Parent ruins it kills their child people. in different unique ways. Who knows? Listen, we're over here breaking generational cycles just so we can start new Create and new- fresh yeah. ones. <laughs> Mm, innovation I've got ideas okay mm-hmm. innovation mm-hmm. um fun little fact for the listeners of the pod who love the haunting of the hill house as I do little Katie that little actress is yeah. young now I was mm-hmm. like I know her Violet McGraw I was like I know her her. sister doctor sleep but mm-hmm. I fell asleep in the entirety of that movie so can't speak to her performance there do you know who her sister is? I who? do. Tim McGraw? No. Yeah, it's Tim McGraw. That's her sister. That's how they got the rights for the, the Taylor Swift song for all the promo because mm. they were like, oh, my sister, Tim McGraw, he's best yeah, with yeah, Taylor yeah. Swift because she wrote oh. that song about her. Oh. <laughs> it's all connected, baby. <laughs> no, but who is it? <laughs> Sydney, please. Uh, do you remember Black Phone? Yeah. Do you remember the sister in Black Who did Yeah. Little Prayer? That is her real life big sister. No way. A little whore family. A little, a little whore, whore family. family. Girlies. That's <gasps> called doing parenting right. I'm just saying. Mm. I don't want my kid to be a child actor unless my kid is a child actor in horror movies. Horror. Only. Just their <laughs> like optimal almost... <laughs> getting them fucked up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's doing parenting right. You know, you're gonna do it. Beautiful. Make them part of a dynasty, a family business. Gorgeous. We love to see it. Um, okay, sorry. Let's talk about the final rampage now. Let's finally get into it. The dance. Bruce. Bruce comes through. Bruce is beautiful. Bruce is so beautiful. I I just also like I love the dance. I love that she uses um a paper cutter slicer as a fucking samurai sword. Like that's mm-hmm. incredible. That's incredible. I love, those things are dangerous. But I love the fact that she's four feet, so it looks like a big sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also just love that. Obviously, we saw the dance in the trailers. I don't know about you guys, but I assumed that there probably was a little more context for the dance within the movie. There sure is not. She just loves to dance. We did see one moment of one dance. Katie teaching her. Yeah. But then she's like, this is just for fun for me, you little bitch. She was like, this was a fun, silly moment that I remember having. And I'm about to have a fun, silly time slicing and dicing you. So why not start it? But also it's so menacing. It's so she can get back to Katie. She's showing Katie's influence. Well, also the thing is, the her her first kill was a doggy. So there's no psychological aspect of that. 
But as she has progressed as a young killer, um, she has learned the art of psychological warfare. You must make your your victim suffer before they die. So pulled off the ear of little fuckboy. Scared the living shit out of him. Yes. Before when you Celia's set up like, a murder suicide and frame the assistant. Mm-hmm. No, so he's like, she's like, I'm gonna play the game. This guy thinks that I'm his big ticket to the big time. And he's gonna be like, wow, she's so great at dancing. Psych, bitch, it's over for you. I love it. I love it. And she's so smart. She knew about Kurt, that little bitch, stealing company <laughs> secrets. He's so funny also. Um... I wanted a little bit more about his stealing secrets, but I liked that she was like, you probably were just doing it for fun, for a thrill. And he's like, oh no, I was. Um, like, I, I do like that <laughs> she just, she's just psychoanalyst. That's the, the Gossip Girl influence too. She's just psychologically destroying her targets before she gets to them too. She just tells them exactly what's wrong with them and what's going on in their life. And is like, and it's sad and you're sad. And don't worry, I'm going to take care of it the Blair Wardoff of it all yes that's exactly her approach I will destroy you and then I will destroy you Blair's influence mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved you also and her fashion sense too so oh yeah she has her fashion sense for sure but she steals the fucking flashiest car that anyone has ever seen it is so funny like how does her feet oh. reach the pedals <laughs> I bet it's a Tesla because they name dropped Tesla earlier in the movie and I bet she's utilizing self-driving car technology she like that's what I think is so fun about this movie too is that we see her working with the other systems especially as soon as you've connected her to the internet like it is fucking game over not only because she has access to the internet and can look up whatever she wants including how to do a murder or whatever um but also because if she's connected to that network she can connect to any other device on that network like she's turning off their security pro protocols at the office she's at home connecting with Elsie the little fake Alexa um that Gemma has set up like we see that when um Gemma is like investigating what happened with the boy and is trying to look up Megan's like security camera stuff and like her GPS data location her own data all of it and then Elsie goes are you okay Gemma and Gemma's like um why did you just ask me that you are not programmed to ask me that like she doesn't catch on quite fast enough that Elsie is fucked from that point forward but yeah, I be, I feel like at that point, though, it could go either way because also we know that um, Megan can do the voice changing thing and she is standing right there. So I think like that, like when Megan is right there, you think, oh, it could go either way. But I think by the end, it's clear that she has. When she intercepts the call to Tess and like mimics the whole phone call and pretends to be Tess. That shit was so crazy. That was just so, so fun. She's a super villain she's a super villain you've created a super villain this is just like the mummy with the emo tech curse it's the same thing they a set clear themselves up. it's a clear reference to what's it called what's it called the hum die ha <laughs> it's a clear reference to the hum die we're like oh we want to make something so crazy cool like wow look how powerful we are that we can do all this fuck shit and then you're setting yourself up to be tortured in a million ways in 3,000 years 
you created the danger. But this is the modern era, so it takes three weeks, not 3,000 years. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate the timeline of this movie um, because I think they start to set in, like, the stakes of how fucked shit can get um, while also not being like, if we can just hold on a little bit longer, if we can just make it a little bit longer, maybe it'll be okay. Um it's not like this is taking place over a period of months where things can really sink in. Like there's kind of enough plausible deniability for long enough and a short enough timeline that we're working with that you yeah kind of, I mean, you have to keep in mind that we're seeing everything and Mm -hmm. Gemma is not, you know? And the them article was really funny also because it was talking about the astrology and how like this film oh is a Capricorn God. movie and it's such a fucking Capricorn movie. It's um, so funny. You gotta read that article. It's like, in the references. Yeah. You're also almost like rooting for Gemma to get her big promotion and for it all to work out for her and then to shut Megan down afterwards. Like you want to see her get to that point almost and like you're willing to maybe let a couple people who are a little terrible get murdered in the meantime, yeah. as long as nothing crazy happens. We um, really just want to see a girl boss succeed. Okay, it's Capricorn yeah, season. I was a little I, bummed. I was like, "Oh, her whole career is ruined. That sucks." <laughs> yeah, I mean, but also, is she gonna the- go to jail? <laughs> That's a great yeah. question. Um, she's gonna get a big fat lawsuit, presumably, when somebody figures okay. out whoever needs to file it. Because, like, does Celia have any family left to file on her behalf? Is that anyone gonna file on behalf of the company? Well, but if they can connect it to Megan, um, and at that point, I don't know that they can. Um, for him at least. The well, yeah, they probably have no evidence for anything. Did she push him down the hill or did he fall down the hill? He I can't tripped. remember. He tripped. So technically she just ripped his ear off. It's just bodily harm. <laughs> at that point, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but there's but yeah. gotta be cameras at the toy company unless she... She has control of those systems. That's She's what I'm saying. Unless she like hacked their system and they can't see. There's yeah, no I proof. Mean, we know that she did we just don't know the extent of what she did in the system um they did confirm a sequel oh yeah it's already in the works Uh I'm so excited (laughs) this is there's so much potential here you know Mm -hmm. there's so much potential here the the final showdown is so great everything with Bruce both that they're using a tool that is helpful similar ish technology while needing to be human controlled and like bruce is part of the family too like oh there was this whole other robot you didn't even know about because it's not hooked up online um but but the elsie like looking over at the end that was sequel bait right there oh 100 yeah that's why that was in there they gotta give you something you know um i just loved the the like megan re- being at the house reveal the piano like, and like just a little jazz for you tonight <laughs> <laughs> so fucking funny she knows how to make a fucking entrance she's a star she's absolutely a star um star. but i also just loved she is hard to defeat and we see that with bruce like she literally gets pulled apart a bunch of times but she also has 
some classic vulnerabilities that I think are really fun. Like when Gemma hits her with the glass of water and we see her starting to like fritz and break down. I thought that was perfect to be like, see, she's not invulnerable. Like, yeah, I hate the unkillable villain. Yeah, there are still some things. that, And also I thought it was great to see her go from like dancing queen to like full jerky style glitching, like technological nightmare fuel. Um, But I mean, I just, I thought that also that that conversation you and I were talking about it when we were came coming out of the theater um that where she's like stroking Gemma's face and she's like we used to be besties like we used to talk about Janice Joplin together all the time like really what happened you abandoned me like that little reveal also like you were my original primary user that's very um don't look under the bed when oh, uh, yeah. the imaginary friend becomes the boogie monster once they're forgotten about um yeah well it's just also super interesting that she like really wants to be Katie's mommy like Megan is like this is my bestie but she but I am her mommy now it was so weird she's like just let me take care of her you know she has such like um sweet uh motivations behind it all um but she's turned into something so ugly I also love um how they like rip apart her face at the at in uh-huh. the fight scene because she looks so like we're saying uncanny valley so close to human but just not right and then you see like the the guts coming out you know like the truth of it the metal and all of that underneath because it's a spooky face underneath there very spooky um I thought that was really 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 fun and we love to see someone's face get sawed in half with a big saw that's exciting (laughs) we always always love that we just love that and I love that Katie was it no who does the final blow is it Gemma I I don't remember it's Katie because she stabs the uh, oh yeah because she learned from the beginning because when uh, Gemma shows her all about the robot, she's like, this is the brain. This is where all the thoughts live. And so she stabs her right there. What a smart little kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, they just did a lot of really great setup and payoff in this movie, both with like establishing Bruce in the beginning, like how he can be a tool, but like how he's not as technologically advanced as some of the other things um I thought they just did a really I thought they they constructed a film very very well totally I agree one thing that I really liked one detail um that I think we see a little bit and then it stops working is when Gemma has the pen and is like Megan do you see this pen and like the way that she focuses on it um gives Gemma enough time to like reach behind her and and turn her off or whatever Mm -hmm. in a couple different points I love this scene in the beginning right before the dog attack when they're outside and Katie is like playing with her bow and arrow by the way was such a little Perfect little eight-year-old girl moment where it's like, yes, she loves to play with dolls. Yes, she loves technology and screen time. But also it is so important to go outside and pretend to be a warrior princess on that occasion. Was I was yeah. like, I want to play that game. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think she would love the Warrior Cats books. Um, I didn't read them, but I think that she would. Um, 
but when she has the arrow and it like sticks to the window because um Megan is inside and she's outside and like Megan kind of shuts down for a moment because she's focusing on it like that's what the thing with the pen is it's like that weird near focal point um where she just like glitches oh, out I wondered what that was I didn't get that at the time it's a mm-hmm. thing interesting interesting that's a cool little weakness that they built in for her, but only for a but short she yeah, time. I mean she gets she smart adapts. enough to learn how to exactly that's the problem. Technology. She adapts the emergent that's whatever the emergent they call capabilities. Amazing. Yeah. Just really Gemma plays herself at every opportunity. She's too smart and she's created something that's too smart. She's sad. She's outwitted her own self. Um, should we do our segments? Our segmentos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so the first question that we always ask is, how could this movie be gayer? And the lovely thing about this movie is that though it is n- there's not a single canonically gay character in this movie, um, it has been... The, the queer community saw this movie and they're like mine <laughs> immediately right from the there, jump. Monica. <laughs> okay, I know everybody that she gay. Is gay. <laughs> I know we're gonna get to that, but the, she didn't say hi. I'm Gemma and I'm gay. That's what I yeah. mean. We don't ever get that. It didn't that. say Tinder notifications from ladies. It just said Tinder notifications. Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. Did you see all the mid-century modern in her house? Let's. <laughs> 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 Fair. Fair. <laughs> I mean, the I mean, them article is also saying how it is sort of like an inquir- inherent queer framework of like the aunt who doesn't plan on having children. Yeah. Um, is so often like this queer figure and it, it stands here. No, totally. I really I really liked that article from them. That's a really great breakdown of it. Um and there was like this whole part of it. I'm gonna do a direct quote. Um, so it's like, there's definitely a reason that dolls is trans slang, that Chucky was created by an out gay filmmaker, and why Barbie is such a popular drag look. These dolls aren't just icons, they're avatars for our own feelings of existing in that awkward space between fully recognized as human and being outright rejected for our otherness. There's so much symbolism packed into that silicone. I loved that. I just thought those really, really mm-hmm. well said. Um, yeah. No, it's just like... It's it's really interesting because Megan is, oh, she's everything. She's what is it? What is it, Chelsea? What do the youth say? She's serving cunt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, Gemma is a lesbian. Lydia is a lesbian. Celia is a lesbian. Yes. Um. Tess and Cole both gay. Um. What's David? Kurt. They're both gay. Kurt's gay. Um, oh, Kurt. Canonical. That, that lady gay. at the end who is like rounding up the people for the demonstration that's a lesbian she's gay. Oh yeah my God. she's wearing yeah, like the emerald t- green it's, it's like that's Gemma's workplace flirtation um that other single mom gay that teacher gay it's the first horror movie where every character is gay I didn't the only evidence I saw for any quote-unquote straight relationships is Katie's parents and they could both be bisexual and if you look at them I think it's pretty clear that they are yeah no he got bi wife energy for sure and he also is very well groomed 
which doesn't mean anything necessarily, but I think it's evidence. And we just, we can just li- live to hope. We love to mm-hmm. see a bisexual man. Yeah, I mean, everybody's gay. There's something a little homoerotic between Megan and Gemma in the way that they, it's alluded to the time that they spent together and the way that they spent time talking about all of their deepest hopes and dreams. It's a very um, homoerotic friendship where you look back on it and you go, oh, me and my friend were in love. Well, also Katie is, or not Katie, I'm so sorry. Uh, Megan is like, hey, so why don't you just like let us be (laughs) co-parents? of katie you know yeah like, like your aunt you and her the bacon and i'll <laughs> take care of her you know like that's what her argument is in that final scene essentially so mm-hmm. interesting everybody gay everybody gay it's so fucking gay god god that's why it's so good <laughs> no wonder no wonder jesus um okay so where would matthew lillard fit into this film um, I think that he would slay as Kurt. Um, I would love to see him as the beleaguered assistant who gets little water bottles thrown at him and other such demeaning tasks. Um, I would have liked him to be David, the boss. Mm. He'd be great, David. He would be such a funny David. Yeah, you could also just throw him in as any of those executives in the toy demonstration. I think him as, as the big boss down would be cheek. super funny. Like that's the cameo that he's like the big, big CEO that they're trying to impress the whole time. If we're doing time traveling Matthew Lillard, we know that he smashes it whenever he needs to play um, a bully or little fucked up guy. So he could play that kid. Um, If we make him a child. (laughs) If we make, if we, if he is time traveling, why not? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that he he could he could obviously do any role in this film that he wanted to. Um, but there's a lot of very He's fun. Got the range. He, he could do the voice for a boy, Megan. Yeah, or a girl, Megan. I mean, people can have any voices, and anybody can play any part if they have the soul for it. Um, He's the body that play the body double for Megan. <laughs> It's like some little girl. Can you imagine? Like, like six foot three. Adult. <laughs> Matthew Lillard dress up as Megan challenge. Oh Matthew God. Lillard be Megan for Halloween, just like every other gay is gonna be Megan for Halloween. Please, so, please, 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 please. So many Megan costumes this year. You're gonna oh sorry, I yawned. <laughs> They're gonna sell out of that little dress like so fast. Buy your striped long sleeve shirts now, babies, because they'll be mm-hmm. gone come Halloween time. <laughs> Buy your wavy blonde wigs now. Although, again, that original um, montage tells us that Megan can come in any color and look any kind of way. So as long as you have a slightly askew wig, I think you can be Megan. Exactly. That is why Chelsea is Megan right now, and I am bootleg. <laughs> i'm the hasbro's version of i'm hasbro's version you're chelsea's megan and you're megan i'm megan <laughs> oh my god or i'm my natural enemy yeah i'm the megan that blew up in the beginning <laughs> why did you demented i don't know it's your code i don't know i just think um, the one who fucked that up so psh, 
dumb bitch nom right there. Brian Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, I mean, speaking of next segment, I didn't know that that's that's a nom for sure because what a waste of company funds. Um yeah. and really ruined the demonstration. Um but but okay, dumb bitch, who Gemma obviously needs to be on the list, if Gemma not the clear the winner. List, though she is very, very smart. Yeah. Just not in the ways that count in this situation, I Her would say. hubris off the charts and thinking that this is both um, good technology to dabble in and also good technology to give to children who are already inherently emotionally dysregulated because they're very much still learning how to regulate their emotions because they are children and they have not been on earth long enough to know how to do everything that adults know how to do. It was a choice. The fact that she was like, any child needs this doll that we're giving the directive to protect them at any means necessary. Of course, the doll is going to go, don't be mean to my child and make it eat vegetables or I'll kill you. Um, I think we should have seen that one coming, Gemma. That's another tick in Gemma's uh, dumb bitch favor. Yeah, also she falls like prey to the classic conundrum that's like, just because you can doesn't mean mm-hmm. you should, you know? Just because we can get to this level of technology. Should we? Should we yeah. take a second maybe and think, maybe should we do this, you know? And she's not there yet, um, but she probably mm-hmm. should be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Kurt deserves a nomination possibly for stealing company info because I can see that being very relevant in a sequel with the whole funky versus furzy competition you know what I mean um especially with them already ripping off the perpetual pets that could Um, be a really good plot line like he leaked it and they create another one they think they're done with this villain they create another one and it's just as bad Maybe Elsie's the hero in that. Maybe Megan comes back through Elsie in that one and is like, I'm the original bitch. I'm the OG. Um, And bitch slaps Megan down. Um, But yeah, I mean, Kurt deserves a nom. Um, David deserves a nom because he's signing off on this and pushing it, you know, to the next steps without even having really any idea what he's dealing with. Um, Gemma deserves a nom because she has the best idea of what they're dealing with. And... um, even when she tries to put a stop to it, she's not realizing that they are way too fucking far in the game for that. Um, yeah. One other I would just like to uh, nod is the dad. Uh, mm-hmm. the very beginning of the film for oh, yeah. uh, not preparing well enough to like double check if the car had four wheel drive, like get snow chains. Not just are really stop the car in the middle of the fucking road when you can't see. You know, white out. Yeah. Just saying, like, you have a wife and a child. What are you doing? No, the, I think we can give both parents um, a numb for that one. Because, yeah. I mean, he deserves it more because he's driving the car. And so ultimately it is his responsibility. Um, but he was like, you don't know that chains were a thing either five seconds ago. And it's like, well, you both should have if you're going on a ski trip and you're driving up a snowy mountain. And you're, especially if you're like not used to it, like always ask. He's like, I thought the car looked like it had four wheel drive. Did you? Because it looks 
like you are in a small sedan. You're in a sedan. They don't have that in sedans. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of dumb bitches in here. I think, unfortunately, the dumbest of them all is Gemma because she created yeah. the monster that will end the earth. Yeah. Um, but she is really smart in her own special way. But let's just she take a moment to She gets the smart bitch and the dumb bitch. We, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we press the green button, before we go all in, let's just take a step and a breath. She needs to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that brings us to our knives out of fives. Um, And if I have heard correctly, this movie has a score that rivals The Godfather at this time <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Um, it has gone down a little since then. Okay, um, thank God. Not a lot. <laughs> and again, that's like the whole Rotten Tomatoes thing. It doesn't mean that people thought it was as good as The Godfather. It just means that the percentage of critics that thought it was at yeah. least thumbs up versus thumbs down rivaled. Yeah, the- they didn't think this was as good as The Godfather. They're like, this is actually better. That this is actually yeah, better than the exactly, Godfather. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the IMDb rating actually doesn't hold up to that standard at all, which is rude and wrong. Um, not what that it's bad on IMDb. IMDb. People are so uncultured. Um, but on IMDb, it has a six point seven out of ten. Again, you know, respectable, but not what this movie deserves. Um. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 94% fresh from critics at this time, which is still really good. Um, and then 80% fresh from audiences. So, you know, as more people saw the movie, the numbers continued to roll in um, and they settled a little versus from where they were at, at the beginning, which was, you know, almost 100% across the board, yeah. which again, what this film deserves. Um but it's still super well received. I mean, it had like a twelve million dollar budget, and it has already made like sixty million dollars or something like that. Yeah, it did really um, well opening weekend, way better than projections. It slapped. It obviously slapped. Um, I'm fully prepared to go first for my knives out of fives, unless yeah, somebody else wants to jump in. Um, but for I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, like I mean. I said it um the first time I watched this movie even though I literally was not like vibing with it um I had no complaints like there was nothing in the film that I was like oh I wish this had been different I wish this had been that instead um and then when I went in the second time and could like put my brain away a little bit more um and just enjoy it I just was delighted at every turn like I think it makes a lot of narrative sense I think it really engages with a lot of um societal questions and conversations that we're having these days I thought it had some good fun scares I thought that it was very funny I thought that it was so fun across the board constantly like for me this is a five knives out of fives movie um I wouldn't change a thing if you told me I had to watch this movie every single week for the next year I think I would be thrilled (laughs) that's amazing Sydney do you want to go next I fucking love this movie I only saw it once so I don't know if it will change on the rewatch but I had such a fun time in the movie theater like I was laughing I was like what the fuck what the fuck I was like you know what she is right she do be having some points here um you know I was moved 
on her rendition of Titanium, Spotify, put it on there. Don't be a coward. Um, Don't be a coward. So I will give <laughs> this a five out of five. I wow. had such a good time. Um, the writing, some places a little weak, but I don't give a shit. I had a great time. Wow. I loved this movie. I had a fucking blast and a half. I definitely had a blast and a half. I'm not going to give it a five, though, because it's just not, like, speaking to me to give it a five. Sure. And, you, you know, it's just not. You're not feeling but so I'm going to give it close. I'm going to give it a 4.8. I thought it was really, really fucking good. I can't wait to see what they do with this. I am so glad that this exists. It brings up a lot of interesting questions about AI in general, and I hope people th- actually think about them. Uh, I hope that Megan changes the world and makes us say, huh, maybe we should slow up. Hold up, slow up before we ruin everything that society is based on. Ha ha ha. Um, but yeah, I think that it was a fucking riot. It was a riot. And it's making me want to revisit Malignant and do it on the pod because like I need to get into the psyche of Akila Cooper and understand what's going on there because she's a dang brain. genius. <laughs> she's got something <laughs> special in there. The absolute laws <laughs> that is her brain. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, I'm starting out like first big horror release of 2023. I was like, what can top 2022? We got a stacked lineup. I just added 25 movies or so to our like upcoming movies we're excited to see list on on Letterboxd. And I was like, shit, I did not realize there was so much I was going to have to put into my eye holes this year. So I'm ready. We're Making ready. Starting us out strong. <laughs> but do you know what's going to be even stronger next week? Do Tell you? Us, Sydney. Our love for one man, one beautiful man, one beautiful, strange, tall man. And that is our boy, Maddie Lily, because next Tuesday is his birthday. Happy birthday! One, we're obviously going to sing to him. Uh, Two, we are covering... Maybe not a classic, but we loved it. And that is it's The a Curve. Exactly. It's a classic to me. Mm-hmm. This movie, no one has seen it. Why has no one seen it? Anyone who I ask, they say, it. what the fuck are you talking about? Well, you're wrong. Well, you're not wrong. You're just uneducated in this. And let us take the time next week to educate you on one of the best Maddie Lily films out there. Just saying. Most unhinged for sure. Which is Maddie Lily Maddie at his back. Yeah. Oh if my you God. love a Maddie Most... Lily monologue, you're going to love this film. Incredible monologues. I think there are two, if I recall correctly. But it There's has that been one where the background years. fades away, though. Oh my God. Don't spoil it. Okay. Spoil it. Spoiler. The only thing the only thing that we'll tell you is that Matthew Lillard is in it and he has two monologues. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, give Matthew Lillard more of monologues, 2023. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. But yeah, I mean, if you remember our 13 Ghosts episode last year for Maddie Lily's birthday, it was unhinged and insane. And so expect a lot more of that for next week. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> and in your exciting anticipation of what is to come, why not 
write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just giving a, give us a five-star rating on Spotify. My new most immediate goal is to get us to 100 reviews on Spotify. And we're sitting pretty at 69. <laughs> um, <and I'm> 68, <laughs> but I'm going to choose to say that it's 69. So Maybe why not you'll have manifested it being 69 by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. You don't it's even always have to. 69 in our pussies. I'm just saying. Ooh, Ew, oh don't talk about my pussy. <laughs> but here's the thing. It does you don't even have to um write anything. You just can click it. Um so you should should do it. Um just saying. Or write your New Year's resolution in the Apple Podcast box. And, and and then press five stars and then press send. We just want to know how you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and why not follow us on social media? Like I said, it's, this is my year of TikTok. Who knows? Maybe I'll make a TikTok. Um, follow us at spooky underscore Tuesday on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. We're also at spooky Tuesday pod on Tumblr and Facebook. And we're at spooky Tuesday on Letterboxd. And don't you know it? We said it would come. You never believed that you ever would hear it, but it happened. We have our second video on YouTube. It dropped last week and you weren't subscribed. You missed that moment. You missed, you missed it. Wow. So I can't believe you missed it. You must be so <laughs> embarrassed right now. I'm embarrassed for you, but Hashtag you can fix it right away. You. We'll forget. We'll forget. We'll, we'll, we'll swipe this under the rug. If you just go subscribe right now. So just... my eyes see nothing. If you subscribe. <laughs> Anyway, an unhinged ending to an unhinged episode. Thanks for listening. Bye, Spooky. Do you think what Manchama said is true? That he's in a better place now? (laughs) No, he's nowhere. If heaven exists, it wouldn't be for boys like Brandon now, would it? I guess not. But I prove nothing to lose. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff, and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara, and our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore omg.